today I'm excited. I have a message from God, I believe today, a message of hope, a message of grace, a message of life change. As we celebrate your life change, Tony, we celebrate that today. I didn't see you sneak back down, but we're celebrating today what God's done in your life, what he's doing in your life. God's not finished yet. Today also is a message, not just of life change, but of generational life change. And so I'm really excited about this message today, looking forward to it. And the setting today is Jesus making that trip to Calvary, where he would give his life on the cross for you and I. You can remain seated, but we're going to look today at Mark, the 15th chapter. We've been standing a long time. Mark 15, verses 16 through 22. If you do not have, have your Bible today, they will have this on the screen. But I always recommend that you bring your Bible to church. That's important. While we have technology, we have Bible apps, we have those things that I'm very thankful for and use often. It's important that we develop a relationship with our Bible. And uh, so I encourage you to bring that to church. Mine's here. I failed to bring it up here. It's right down there in my seat. But bring your Bible to church. Mark 15, verse 16, it says that the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium. And they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head. And began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the, on the head with a reed and did spit upon him. And bowing their knees, worshipped him. And when they had mocked him... They took off the purple from him and put on, or put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled one, Simon, a Cyrenian, who passed by, coming out of the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross. And they bring him into the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of the skull. And I want to stop there today and begin looking at the way of suffering, the Via Dolorosa, they call it, the way of suffering in Latin is the interpretation from Latin, and it is the route that Jesus walked from condemnation before Pilate to his crucifixion on Golgotha. The route was lined with hostile crowds hurling insults at him, wearing a crown of thorns as he walked step by step carrying the cross. It was one of the most dramatic and emotionally charged scenes that you will find in our Bibles. Yes. It was a scene that is powerful. Yes. A scene that was very graphic. A very important scene, though. And along the way of suffering, that Via Della Rosa, historians have identified what they call the 14 stages or stations of the cross. Now, some of these, and we're going to have those listed here, some of these that are on this station of the cross, they're included in the gospel. Some of these, I just got to warn you, they're based on legend. We can't find them in scripture, but I'm going to go through those today. And the first one is Jesus condemned to death. Jesus then receives the cross. That third station that you can walk if you were to go to Jerusalem is where he falls for the first time. And number four is where Jesus meets his mother Mary. 
The fifth is where Simon is enlisted to carry the cross. Six is Veronica wiping Jesus' face. Seven is where Jesus falls a second time. Number eight is Jesus speaking to the woman of Jerusalem. Number nine, Jesus falls a third time. Ten is Jesus is stripped of his clothing. Eleven, Jesus is nailed to the cross. Number 12 is Jesus dying on that cross. And number 11 is him being taken down from the cross. And 14 is Jesus placed in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Now I'm thankful for what comes after that. Because after each, after those stations that you can go today overseas and walk through. And as you walk through, they'll take you to each of those places stop and recognize what happened there, what they suppose happened there, or what someone says happened there, whether it happened there or not. What happened after these stations is there was a Savior who had been crucified, who was put into a tomb. But if there was a 15th station, it would be this, that Jesus Christ came out of that tomb. And he rose again into life everlasting. And that's important today. Because as you repent of your sins, that's you being crucified in the flesh. And as you're baptized in the watery grave, baptized in the name of Jesus, that's being buried, being put in that grave. But it does not stop there. There is a promise There is a promise from the Father. It is a promise of life. It is a promise of being born again into miraculous life. There is resurrection for somebody here today through the baptism of the Holy Ghost, through the Spirit of the living God. And if you have not been born again of that water, and if you have not been born again of that Spirit, through the evidence of speaking in a new tongue, I'm here to tell you that it's available for you today. Amen. It's available for all of us. And while these 14 stations I mentioned, 15 if you had that resurrection, I'm not interested in all of those. Some of those are, someone just thought it may, may be good to have a station here. We don't see it in Scripture. But one of those I want to focus on today, and it's very much found in Scripture, and it's that fifth station, that fifth station of the cross. And that is when Simon the Cyrenian yes. met Jesus Christ. It was on that cross road. It was on that way of suffering where Simon's life was changed forever. And so today I want to take a few moments and talk about that cross road. That cross road experience that changed Simon's life. Crossroads in a figurative sense, they are places of decision that affect the course of your life. And all of us come to those moments, those crossroads, those moments where things get real, you can say. They're more than just places, but they're major turning points in people's lives. They are junctions at which crucial decisions are made, and they are times to stop. And I hope we do this. We stop. It gets a little uncomfortable, doesn't it, when we stop. But it's important that we stop and find direction from God in those moments. When we are at crossroads in our life, that we silence ourselves. 
and we wait for the voice of God. Because life is made up of choices. Different roads you can go down. Different paths you can travel. It was Robert Frost who wrote the famous words that two roads diverge in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both. Reality is, is that we can only go down a path at a time. We can only go down one road. And I believe that your best life, your God-designed life, is found on the God path that he has set out for you. That God has created a pathway for you and I that leads to life everlasting, to life eternal, that goes beyond the confines of time and space on earth, but enters into a new reality, a reality of life eternally with him in heaven. And I believe that there is a path for every single person in this room that leads to that place, to that everlasting life with Jesus Christ. And that is found through that death, that burial, and that resurrection. And when you experience the gospel of Jesus Christ for yourself, you will enter into a brand new reality for your future. And while there is a God-designed path for each of us, God has given us the free will to choose. Turn to someone next to you and say, to choose. We're not robots here today, but God has given us the opportunity to choose by his grace and mercy to choose the pathway that we travel down. None of us, none of us, none of us, not even Brother Zelke, not even Brother Mike McCoy, none of us are forced to live for God. None of us are forced to do what God wants us to do. But it's when we take a step of faith, saving faith, through obedience to the scripture, obedience to the voice of God, that's when we take those steps and we say, God, I believe you are greater than anything else. I believe that your path is better than any other path I could go down. I have faith to believe that you are greater than anything else that would be put in front of me. That's faith. That's saving faith. It's faith to believe that the scripture is what gives us, gives us a path that is our roadmap. And, and it's faith to believe that God is the central figure of the universe. That he is a faithful God. That he is not just a God out there in the galaxies far, far away. But that he is interested in us. And that he gave his life. For us, so that we would not live just to ourselves, but that we would live to Him. God allows us to make that choice for ourselves. The Lord commanded Isaiah to write this prophecy down in Isaiah 30, speaking to a rebellious Israel. He said this He said, Your ears, and this is in the New King James Version, He said, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, this is the way. This is the path. This is the road. And I speak it to West Monroe. It's for us to walk in it, to walk in the way. In the New Testament, we see the earliest Christians They were self-described as followers of the way because they chose to model their life and live their life after the one that said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. 
And I'm here to say that the way of Jesus is truth. And the way of Jesus is life everlasting. Amen? In contrast, Proverbs 14 and 12 says this, that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And so there are two ways to live. There are two paths. There are two roads. And you cannot travel both. It's impossible to take a step in one way and keep on going forward while taking a step in the other way. God has a path for you. God has a way for you. And he is not interested in you going in any other way. He is not interested in you getting close to the other path. God does not want you to live with one foot on this path and one foot on the other path. God has a God-designed path for you to walk on. And in that path and on that path, there is blessing. On that path, there is favor. On that path, is everything you need. In Genesis 2, we read that in the Garden of Eden, there were two trees that God planted. There was the tree of life, and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Two trees that he planted. Two trees in the midst of the garden. There were others there. But Scripture is very, very clear that there were those two trees in the center of the garden. And he says in chapter 2 of Genesis, in verse 16 and 17, he commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And what we see is that out of one tree there was life. And out of one tree there was death. All you have to do is turn on your TV. All you have to do is open up your phone, look at the news, and you will see what tree they partook. And this is the thing, the story of those two trees, of that tree of life and that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's not just confined to the Garden of Eden. Right. It's not just confined to Adam and Eve. Right. It's not just confined to that small story, but rather that small story permeates through the big story. And as you turn the page one after another, you see the same story. That there were two trees. There was a tree of life and there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. One tree gave life. The other tree gave, gave death. Out of the fruit of one there was life. And out of the fruit of the other there was death. And out of this story we see, we see it play out throughout history. Throughout our lives. This, it's how we choose to live our lives each and every day. It's how we choose to live in each and every moment. Because all of us are partaking of one tree or the other. We choose that which kills or we choose that which gives life. We choose to go down our own way or we choose to go down God's way. We choose to go down a path that brings life or we choose to go down the path that brings death. And I'm thankful, though, that there is an opportunity that if you're walking down the path that leads to death, 
You can stop in a moment and you can lift up your hands and surrender to a faithful, loving God and partake of the tree of life. You can partake of a tree that will restore you, that will redeem you, that will give you a new beginning. It is life. For it was on a tree that Jesus purchased my life and your life back from the dead. On that tree, he took your sin, and he took my sin. He took your shame, and he took my shame. And he put them to death on that tree. On the cross, he took your place. On the cross, he took my place. And he gave his life as the sinless, spotless lamb, as a sacrifice as the sacrificial lamb that none of us could live up to, but he could live up to. He gave himself his life blood for you and I so that we could take a step off the path of death, off the path that leads to eternal damnation, and we could take a new step in a new direction on the pathway of life everlasting. He died on the cross so that you and I could live. The fruit of sin is death, but the fruit of the cross is life for all humanity. The cross is what true life, since the beginning, looked forward to. And the cross is what true life has since always looked back to. Because the cross creates a crossroads for every human life. If you're going down the wrong path today, through Jesus you can change your direction in life. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, your past can be erased and you can step into a new road and on a new path, a path that leads to life. If you are lost today, there is hope in the house. And because Jesus lives, hope lives. Because there was a 15th station. Because he got out of the grave. There is hope for you and for me. There is life in this house. And it is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world. (laughs) I'm thankful that he loved us. When we were sinners, he loved us us. He loved us so much after they partook of that tree of knowledge of good and evil. After Israel turned their back on him over and over and over again. After he saw into the future and saw each of us walking down the wrong path. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him whoever, whosoever should not perish, but have everlasting life. Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, that in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. That slithering snake in the garden. You walked according to his path, among whom we all had our conversations in time past, in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature 
by nature through natural birth, the children of wrath, even as others. But this is the crossroads right here in verse 4. But God, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were, someone say it, we were dead. We were dead in sins hath quickened us. He has made us alive. He has resurrected us together by, with Christ Jesus. For by grace, someone say by grace. By grace we are saved. If you're thankful for grace in the house, would you just lift up your hands and tell the Lord how thankful you are? Thankful that God has saved you, that He has made a way for you. That gospel, His death, His burial, His resurrection, it is your pathway to life. Birth is our entrance into this life. Birth, birth, the natural birth. And in the natural birth, we are born into sin. But in spiritual birth, we are born again unto life everlasting. Amen. And I'm here to say that that promise is unto you, and it's unto your children, and to your children's children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. It's available to every grandparent today. It's available to every great-grandparent today. It's available to every parent and to every child. There is a promise of life from the Father above. There is a promise that He has given to you and to your children. He has given it to this church and all those that are to come. There is a pathway. There is life. In our text, we read... And we read of the story of Jesus on that road. What you would call the cross road. That road that led to Calvary. That led to the crucifixion. It was the way of suffering. It was brutal. It was graphic. It was horrific. It was inhumane. You wouldn't want your children to watch it. You would not want to watch it. If it was on TV today, it would be rated mature. The brutality was beyond what we can imagine. For he was beaten, marred more than any man. He was beat up, left for dead. And he was traveling down a road. Traveling down the road. And on that road there was mocking. There was humiliation. There was blood. There was agony. There was pain. And also there was a man named Simon. We don't know much about him except that he was from Cyrene. Cyrene, it was a city on the coast of northern Africa. And if you could walk in a straight line from Cyrene to Jerusalem. It would be about 850 miles. But you can't walk in a straight line from Cyrene to Jerusalem. Most likely he went over the sea. So this was a very long journey. A very long journey to Jerusalem. Most likely he was not a follower of Jesus when he came to the crossroad. He may have 
went there to Jerusalem for Passover, but we don't know. We don't know why he was there. But what we do know is that life led him in this moment to a road, to a way of suffering, to a Villa Della Rosa, to a place where he met Jesus Christ. When he arrived at the crossroad, he was one way. When he stepped to that place, that place where Jesus was going to be walking by, we don't know what he brought there. We don't know the hurt that he brought there. We don't know what was happening at home when he stepped there. We don't know what his past was like. We don't know what he did for a living. We don't know the stress and the anxiety that he was carrying. I bet he was tired. So he just journeyed a long way. And he steps up to that cross road. I don't know how long he was there. But I do know he was there. Just like you and I are here today. And he was there in that moment. And while he stood there, a man named Jesus came walking by. We don't believe he was a believer, but something changed. Amen. What a moment. We all know the rhythm of the song now. But that moment, that moment was his crossroads. That was the moment that everything that was in the past came face to face with his future. In fact, he looked love and grace in the eye at the crossroad. At that day, he faced his crossroad. He came to that place where his old way was met face to face with the new and living way. It was that place in that moment on the crossroad where law's condemnation came face to face with grace to salvation. It was in that moment on the crossroad, that place where Simon had to make a decision. It was his turning point. It was where he ultimately, I believe, made a decision to leave his past behind him when he got under the weight of the cross and the soldiers called him out he wasn't expecting that day to carry a cross but the soldiers called him out and enlisted him to go and help Jesus help, help this king of the Jews carry this cross to him this weakling help him so this man with a past we don't know what it was but he had a past called to carry the cross of Jesus Christ to look him face to face 
got close with Jesus. Proximity to Jesus matters. Proximity to the house of God matters. Proximity to your prayer closet matters. Proximity to the word of God, to your Bible matters. If your Bible is dusty and on the shelf, wipe the dust off. Put it on the kitchen table again. Read the word. On this grandparents day, parents, read the word with your kids. Study the word with your kids. Memorize scripture with your kids. Kids right now, live your life in the word of God. All of us, let's live our life on our knees, in our prayer closets, close to Jesus. But Simon is now under the weight of the cross. This was not just any ordinary cross. It wasn't just weight that was made up of wood and nails. But the weight of that cross held our sins and our shame. And this man Simon helps Jesus to the hill step by step, step by step. And something on that road, that crossroad, something changed in the man, I think. I think every step he took, he began to realize that this man that they're parading by isn't just any ordinary man. I think every step, he realized that there's something special that I'm a part of right now. There's something special. I don't know if he realized that thousands of years later we'd be talking about this moment and talking about this time. But the reality is, is that the fact that he bore the cross and the fact that he followed Jesus to the hill and the fact that he was there in that moment, it was talked about. It's being talked about now. And that moment affected the life of him and of his family and of generations that gone by. How do we know that's the case? How do we know that? Well, it also says in our text that he was the father of Alexander and Rufus. And in Romans, the apostle Paul wrote of Rufus and his mother, saying, salute this Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother in mine. And what I begin to realize more day by day is it's not always just us meeting Jesus. But as we go through life, we all have those moments where Jesus is meeting us. And it was that moment on that crossroad that I don't think was by accident as Jesus was going by that maybe he just looked up and saw this man Simon and maybe this man Simon saw Jesus. We don't know what happened except that a Roman soldier said, come on, help this man. But one step, I don't know when it was, I do believe that Simon looked Jesus in the, in the face and he looked him in the eye and what he saw was not condemnation. What he saw was not any of that, but what he saw was love. What he saw was a savior. What he saw was a man that would change his life. And he 
that's not exposed to Jesus and then let it end there. But he went home and he exposed his wife to Jesus. He went home and he exposed his children to Jesus. And his children grew up to be to be people that are talked about in scriptures, chosen by God, chosen to make a difference in the New Testament church. And I'm here to tell somebody that the decisions you make, they impact not only yourself, but they impact the generations that are coming behind you. The decision you make to follow Jesus today, the, the decision you made to give them a hang-up or a habit, to surrender something that you're struggling with or dealing with, it's not just in a, a decision that's going to affect you only, but it's going to affect your children and your children's children. And all that are far off, your decisions are going to make a difference for your family. And there is no greater decision you can make today than to step from the path that leads to death onto the path that leads to life everlasting to stop taking of the fruit of knowledge of good and evil and to begin to take from the tree of life to give your life over to the savior who hung on a tree who died on a tree who gave his life for you and him it was in mark 8 34 that jesus said that whosoever will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We get a picture of what he talked about. We get this picture. We get this picture that when you pick up the cross and when you take that cross and you not just carry a cross on your back for the rest of time, but then when you put your life on the cross and when you surrender your life on the cross, there is a life that comes after it. There is a fruit that is born, born from it. That is a, it is a fruit of life everlasting. The way to Jesus is the way of the cross. The way to salvation it is the way of the cross. The way to deliverance is the way of the cross. The way to life is the way of the cross. And the way of the cross is death. Death to the old you. Death to who you used to be. Death to your past. Death to who you've been. 